All right, turn to two passages of Scripture, Matthew 2 and Psalm 95. Matthew chapter 2 and Psalm 95. We'll start in Matthew 2, and uh, we'll read a verse, and then we'll go to Psalm 95, and we'll read several verses later in the message from there. Last week I shared a message called, What's So Important About Worship? This weekend I want to share, What's So Important About Expressing Worship? What is so important about expressing our worship? Now, let me just take a little poll here. How many of you um, are married? Can I see your hands? Okay. Is it all right with you if your spouse never expresses his or her love for you? It's not? Aren't we the bride of Christ? So do you think that it's all right with Jesus, or do you think that it makes him feel good when you as his bride never express your love to him? Now, some of you may be saying, well, maybe I express it in a different way. I understand that, but I want to show you why we express our love the way we do. Worship is love expressed, and it is scriptural why we do what we do. Um, the reason we worship the way we do, I, I want to say something and I will stand on these statements. The reason we worship the way we do, please hear what I'm about to say. It is not because it is charismatic or Pentecostal dogma. It is because it is biblical doctrine. Hear me carefully, all right? And maybe you don't know the difference between the word doctrine and dogma. Uh, dogma is established opinion. Dogma, established opinion. It is an opinion that people form over many years, and it's an established opinion. Doctrine is established teaching based on the Bible. So we do not lift our hands because it is tradition. We lift our hands because the Bible tells us to lift our hands. So I want you to know that. So we're going to go through some of the expressions of worship. Matthew chapter 2, look at verse 11. This is, these are the wise men, obviously. And when they'd come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshiped him. I wanted you to notice the two words, fell down. Was it appropriate for these wise, wealthy, prestigious, honored men to fall down in the presence of a toddler? Do you think it was appropriate? Obviously, because he was the savior of the world, it was appropriate. Would you agree with that? Okay. Then would it be appropriate for me to bow down before my savior? Not just the savior of the world, but my savior. So I want to show you some biblical expressions of worship in the Bible, all right? Here's, and, and I've got six of them, so we're going to move quickly, all right? So if you're taking notes, you want to write fast. Here's number one, clapping. Clapping is a biblical expression of worship, and there are two reasons in the Bible now for clapping, all right? Two reasons. Now, we show our appreciation, but two reasons biblically why we clap. The first is for victory. It expresses a victory. And let me read you scriptures. We'll get to Psalms in a moment. 
So I'm going to give you a couple of scriptures first. Job 27, 23 says, Men shall clap their hands at him, and they shall hiss him out of his place. And I put in parentheses the wicked man, because I want you to give the context of Job 27. It's talking about the wicked man, and they've overcome him and removed him from his place of authority. So they're, sure they're clapping because of victory. Nahum 3.19, your injury has no healing, your wound is severe, all who hear news of you will clap their hands over you, and this is referring to the king of Assyria. So he was defeated, and they said they're going to clap their hands over you. When a, when a city would conquer another city, when they brought back the captives, they would line up at the gate, and, and the soldiers were bringing them back, but the women and children that had not gone out to war would line up and they would clap as the captives were walking by, stating, we, we've, we've conquered, we've overcome you. So one is for victory, the second is for joy. Psalm 98, eight, let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills be joyful together before the Lord. Isaiah 55, 12, for you shall go out with joy and be led out with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth in the singing before you, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Listen, when we clap our hands, very simple, we're expressing joy to the Lord and victory over the enemy. Did you hear that? When we clap, as we did this evening, we are expressing joy to the Lord and victory over the enemy. Here's number two, shouting, shouting. And uh, Psalm 47, verse 1. And this is talking about uh, clapping as well. I thought I'd just show you. Oh, clap your hands, all you peoples. Shout to God with a voice of triumph. Clap your hands, all you peoples. Shout to God with a voice of triumph. Galatians 4.27, for it is written, Rejoice, O barren, you who do not bear, break forth and shout, you who are not in labor. Now, please hear me on this. Worship is an act of faith. Everything we do as believers is an act of faith. Worship is an act of faith. In other words, you should shout before you get the victory. Notice when they took Jericho, they shouted and then the walls came down. Here's what is wrong with some people's dogma, established opinion. They think once God moves, then I'll shout. God is saying, you shout and I'll move. And I listed here, and I'll have to do them quickly, but the five top reasons to worship even when you don't feel like it. So let me give you five reasons to worship when you don't feel like it. Number five, I don't have a drum roll, but y'all can just think of it in your mind. We worship by faith. And that's what we were saying. Christians always pray by faith, give by faith. We worship by faith. Number four, feelings should not dictate our actions. Principles should. Feelings should not dictate our actions. So even when we don't feel like praying, we pray. Even when we don't feel like tithing, we tithe. We don't feel like worshiping, we worship. Number three, praise is a command. Shout to the Lord. Clap your hands. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. All of those are in the imperative form. In other words, they are commands. They are not suggestions in the Bible. Number two, it's being true to who you really are. When you worship, even when you don't feel like it, it's being true to who you really are. Here's what people think. When I go to church and things aren't going well in my life, I don't want to be a hypocrite. So if I worship and shout and praise the Lord, it'll be like I'm a hypocrite. Now listen, a hypocrite is someone who is not acting like who he really is. So you need to understand when you come to church and don't worship, you're being a hypocrite. Because you're a believer and believers worship God. 
So when we come to church and worship, here's the number one reason to worship even when we don't feel like it. He is worthy. <laughs> he's worthy. No matter what else happened, he's worthy. All right, so now we talked about clapping and shouting. Here's number three, singing. This is a biblical expression of worship. And by the way, I want to remind you that we're married to Jesus. We should express our love. In a marriage, you express your feelings. I, I can remember one time, just to give you a, it's pretty uh, humorous what happened. Debbie was seated on the front row. I was seated on the platform. It was back when we used to sit on the platform. And uh, it was during the announcements, and she looked up to me, and I caught her eye, you know, and she went like that, just expressing. And so I went, and the lady behind her looked shocked. And I actually left the platform and went and explained to the lady that she had, it was not directed toward her. Okay. <laughs> Singing, Psalm 95. Everyone in Psalm 95 now? I ask you to turn to that. Look at Psalm 95, verse 1. Oh, come and let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. They're shouting in, but let us sing. Now look at Psalm 96, verse 1. You're right there by it. Psalm 96, 1. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Stay in Psalm 95. We'll come back to it in a moment. Let me read you another passage. Numbers 21, verses 16 and 17. From there they went to Be'er, which is the well where the Lord said to Moses. Now, let me just clarify. It is pronounced Be'er, not Beer. Do not say that there, you know, the, there's a well in the Bible that's full of beer. Okay, so, beer, which is the well where the Lord said to Moses, gather the people together and I will give them water. And by the way, it was a dry well. Then Israel sang this song, spring up, O well, all of you sing to it. Here, you know what God said? Hey, here's a dry well. If you'll sing and worship, the well will spring up. Now, I want to ask you, a while ago, he said to the barren woman, sing. Sing before you have the child. Sing before the well springs up. Do you have any barren or dry places in your life? Some of you should be singing over your business. And you're thinking, well, if my business would flourish, I'll sing. Listen to me, if you'll sing, it'll flourish. This is the principle all through Scripture. Do you realize on the cross, on the cross, they said to Jesus, come down that we may see and believe. Here's what Jesus was thinking, believe and you'll see. It's opposite. It always starts first by singing. In um, Second Chronicles, they went out to, to war. David said, what, God, what do we do? We have many, many nations gathered against us. Give me your plan. And here's what God said. He said, get the singers and put them on the front lines. And when you go out tomorrow, have the singers sing. Now, I don't know how the singers felt about that personally, <laughs> but they did it. They started singing, walking toward the enemy. God caused a spirit of confusion, and the enemy turned and killed themselves. And when Israel walked up, there was all the silver and the gold and all the spoils and all the dead armies. Would it be okay with you if God caused confusion in the camp of the enemy and you just walked? Okay, but how'd he do it? He did it because they worshiped him first and they expressed. I, I'm not trying to say to you, if you're not as expressive as other people, I, I'm trying to get you to be someone you're not. I'm, I'm not trying to do that, okay? But I've seen some of you watch a sporting event on television. 
And it doesn't hold water that you're not an expressive person. I've seen you clap, and I've seen you shout. And we do that for, for different things like that. But all of a sudden, it's like, well, Pastor Robert, I'm worshiping God in my heart. Well, I'm glad you're worshiping God in your heart. But we're three parts, spirit, soul, and body. Many theologians believe that our spirit refers to our heart, but could you not worship God in your soul and your body also? Yes. Is not God not worthy of all of you worshiping Him? Uh, here's number four, bowing and kneeling. These are biblical expressions of worship. Bowing and kneeling. Psalm 95 again, verse 6. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. Let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker. Now, let me tell you the difference between bowing and kneeling. Bowing represents submission. When you bow before someone, you are submitting to that person. And listen, whether willingly or unwillingly, (laughs) there's going to come a day that every knee will bow. Every atheist will bow and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Every knee will bow. So it represents kneeling. As a matter of fact, that's what the wise men did. They knelt before a toddler, and they were submitting to the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ as a toddler. Okay. Do you realize that Satan wanted Jesus to do this? Matthew 4, 9 says, And he said to him, All these things I will give you if you will, now watch this, fall down and worship me. If you will kneel before me, fall down. It wasn't enough that Satan wanted Jesus to worship him. Listen, he wanted Jesus to express his worship because even Satan knows true worship is always expressed. It's always expressed. Okay, so bowing represents submission. Kneeling represents honor. You could also put adoration, but honor. You bow for submission. Kneel is for honor. Um, I was uh, doing a teaching similar to this one time in a class, a small class on worship. And I just said that bowing represented submission, kneeling represents honor. And I said, why does a man propo- kneel when he proposes? And a lady on the front row said, to submit to the woman. <laughs> and I said, no, that comes after the marriage. But anyway, <laughs> no, he's kneeling to honor her. It is to honor. Great question I have for you. Why not honor Jesus? Why not honor him? All right, here's number five, lifting hands. Now, I I actually asked someone who's been a believer for a very long time, and and the reason I'm doing this is because I want you to understand why we do these things, that they're in the Bible and what they represent in the Bible, all right? But I asked someone, I said, what does lifting your hands represent? And uh, it was a good answer. It's the answer I thought that, that, uh, you know, she would say, and this is what she said. She said, surrender. That's what we think lifting hands represents. Scripturally, that's not what it represents, but it, culturally it is for us. But let me just ask you something. What would be wrong with lifting your hands, surrendering to God? <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. A friend of mine told me, he said, there's a church that is a traditional church, but they, the, the pastor listens to you, and uh, they've been singing some gateway songs now, and they're beginning to move in worship. But the pastor told him, he said, I just, I just can't lift my hands up. He said, people in our church lift their hands. I'm excited about it. Worship, God's doing it. He said, I just can't lift my hands. And this friend of mine said to me, he said, I feel so sorry for the guy because I guess if someone ever holds him up, he's just going to (laughs) die. 
you know, put your hands up. I can't, I can't, I can't lift my hand. You know, they're going to shoot him. And, I, and we got to laughing about it, but here's what I thought. I bet you he'd lift his hands then. Okay, here's what gets me. Some people have to have a gun put to them to lift their hands. You could lift your hands when someone puts a gun on you, but you can't lift your hands to Jesus? I mean, there's something wrong with that, see? So let me give you scripturally why we lift our hands. Here's what lifting hands according to Scripture represents. It represents blessing. That's what it means. The one to whom you lift your hands is blessed. Let me show you some Scripture. Psalm 63, verse 4. Thus I will bless you, bless, I will bless you, while I live, I will lift up my hands in your name. Notice how the Bible says we bless God. And, and by the way, David says, I will bless you while I live. I have a great question for you. Are you going to bless God while you live? Because you won't have any problem lifting your hands in heaven. Luke 24, 50. And he led them out as far as Bethany. This is Jesus. And he lifted his hands and blessed them. Another great question, if Jesus can lift his hands and bless you, why can't you lift your hands and bless him? This is a great message. All right, Psalm 1, <laughs> one more verse. Psalm 134, verse 2. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. Now, you can't get any more clear than that. Okay, we just read it in the Bible, right? Okay, hold on, hold on. We just... We just read that in the Bible. Or did you just read that in the Bible? Do you see that? It's the Bible. Okay. Let's bless God. <laughs> bless you, Lord. <laughs> it's okay. You did it at the Dallas Cowboys game. <laughs> you can do it in church. And praise the Lord that the lockout's over. All right. <laughs> I asked you a moment ago, how many of you are married? How many of you have children or grandchildren? Do you like it when they... Do you think God likes it when his children? Here's the last one, and I'm going to hit it. I know it's going to cause a little controversy. Dancing. <laughs> okay, all right. Let me read you some scripture. Psalm 149, verse 3. Let them praise his name with the dance. Psalm 150, verse 4. Praise him with the timbrel and dance. And you know what? I'm just going to read all of Psalm 150 because it's just because we're talking about Verse 1, praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. It's okay to praise him in church. Praise him in his mighty firmament. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the lute and harp. Praise him with the timbrel and dance. Praise him with stringed instruments and flutes. Praise him with loud cymbals. Praise him with clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Because he's worthy. All right, one more scripture on this, and we'll wrap it up. Luke 7, verse 31. And the Lord said... To what then shall I liken the men of this generation? And what are they like? They are like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to one another, saying, We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We mourned to you, and you did not weep. Now, he's speaking to the Jewish people. And what he's saying to them is, You are missing your day of visitation. That's what he's telling them. 
And he said that in another place. He said, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I wanted to gather you. You're going to miss your visitation. Here's what he's saying. You didn't rejoice at my birth. Gentiles had to come worship me at my birth. You should have been dancing when I was born. And you're not going to mourn when I die. You're missing it. Now, they didn't just, they weren't missing it simply because Jesus was on the earth at that time. Listen, let me tell you what your day of visitation is. Your day of visitation is when you're alive. David said, while I live, I will bless the Lord. Some of you are missing your day of visitation. Because you won't dance and you won't clap and you won't sing and you won't shout and you won't bow down and you won't kneel now. And yet, Jesus is here. Do you realize that where two or three are gathered in his name, he's in our midst? Let me tell you about a friend of mine. I have a friend of mine uh, who's a worship leader, and uh, she's from New Zealand, and she just loves the queen. And she has pictures of the queen, and she just loves the queen. And so uh, she tells this story that one time the queen was coming to New Zealand, and uh, she, she just, oh, she had to see the queen, you know. And she goes down there real early, but all these people are already gathered. And she's real short. She couldn't see. But she wanted to see the queen. And, but she was short. So she climbed up a sycamore tree for the queen she wanted to see. But didn't know. <clears throat> but what she did was she kept looking. She ran around from street to street to street where the queen would be and trying to find something she'd climb up on. She finally saw some trash dumpsters. And she climbed up on top of these trash dumpsters. And when the queen went by, she clapped, she shouted, she whistled, you know, she, even though she's a lady, you know, like that. She'd do it, yay! And she, just, and she jumped up and down on this trash dumpster, you know. Okay, here's what she said. No one, no one turned around and said to her, what are you doing? Do you realize how silly you look on the trash dumpster? The reason no one did that was because they're all looking at the queen. Now, you realize that during worship, sometimes some of us look at someone else. And we think, why are you doing that? That looks silly. But we should be looking at the king. Not looking at someone else. And what she was doing, if the queen had not been passing by, would have been foolish. But it was the presence of the queen that validated what she was doing, right? So I have a question for you. What are you going to do when the king passes by? What are you going to do? And you need to quit worrying about other people around you. And you need to look at the king and express your love to him because he's worthy of it. He's worthy. Okay, I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And we want to pray for you. If you're going through any difficulty, and remember, I just want to remind you at all the campuses, South Lake, Frisco, North Richland Hills, that during this time, if you don't have to leave, I'm asking you to stay just a few moments, and I'm asking you to enter into worship. And we're going to worship the Lord and create an atmosphere so that he can minister to people who need ministry. And if you need any prayer, 
You don't have to be from Gateway Church. You don't have to be a member of Gateway Church. Maybe this is your first time here. But if you need any prayer, here's what we're going to do in just a moment. We're going to stand and we're going to worship. And as we worship, we're going to have leaders that come to the front. And if you need prayer for any reason, maybe you've lost a job. Maybe you're someone in your family sick. Maybe there's a difficulty in your marriage or your, your family or with one of your children or in your relationship with God. Maybe you need to give your life to Jesus. You, you, talk, you hear people talk about being saved and you don't know what that means. We can help you. We want to pray with you. And I want to say again, this is for all the campuses. So as soon as we stand up, if you need any prayer, then you just stand up and just step out to the aisles, come to the front, and we'll be here to pray for you, okay? Holy Spirit, I pray you'll draw every person who needs any prayer at every campus in Jesus' name. Amen.